0: We're continuing with our series of Experiencing God, and um, if you've been keeping keeping along with us, um, we actually, because of Veterans Day, we kind of skipped a week, and so I'm going to be covering, and we're going to look at a little bit in, in detail about the verse that is talked about in week 11, and, and here's what I would say to that as well. If you have fallen a little bit behind in experiencing God, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I will say it's okay and that you should keep going, okay? Because sometimes it's, it can be a lot if you get a week or two behind and all of a sudden you throw your hands up and you're like, man, forget it. Um, don't do that. Keep going. Keep, keep plowing on. It's, it's incredible whether you finish it in exactly the 12 weeks that were allotted or you go well past that and into the new year and into summer. It's okay. You should, you should follow through and, and finish it. Um, definitely worth the investment, but I do want to begin this morning with a story And like the first one, this is a very true story Um, I want to begin this morning with a story that um, Kristen has told me many times See every sunday. Um I end up coming to church early and leave home and and i've come to church early And so Kristen um ends up getting herself and the three children ready and out the door Um, she is of course an incredible woman and uh and she even comes to church then with a smile on her face after that, which is pretty incredible too. So, But a while back, Kristen told me a story about something that has gone on numerous times on Sunday mornings when I'm not there. We have a son named Anthony. He's our oldest. He's seven years old. Um, a daughter named uh, named Elena, who's four, and Aubrey, who just turned one. And almost every Sunday, Elena picks out the dress that she's going to wear, usually given two choices, and she picks out her dress. And then... What she says is always very interesting. Once she has her dress on, she sets out looking for brother. She calls Anthony brother, because I guess her brother (laughs) makes sense. She says, I'm going to go show brother. And so she sets out to find brother. And when she finds Anthony, she stands there. And you can picture this in your mind swaying, this little four year old girl swaying from side to side, showing brother her little dress that she's going to wear to church. Isn't that adorable? And I have to miss this. And so she does this. And, and Anthony Anthony has learned and, and, and is really trying hard to be an incredible brother. And he's learned how to respond to this. So he responds to Elena each time she shows him her dress. Anthony says something like this. He says, wow, Elena, you look pretty. Or you look nice, Peanut. Because, of course, we all have nicknames for each other. So she's Peanut. So... You call her Peanut. She may respond to that. (laughs) But when Kristen first told me the story, I was I was so impressed with Anthony and his response. I was like, "What a cool brother! I wish he did that all the time and always." You know, it it doesn't always work out that way, but you get excited for the times when it does, right? As a parent, you hang on to those. And so, so I was very proud of Anthony. But then my mind began to transition to Elena. She goes to Anthony, or brother to have him tell her how pretty she looks. She values what he thinks of her, which is pretty cool. And I thought about us. I thought, you know, none of us stand and go look for our brother in our church clothes and say, how do I look? Waiting for an excellent response. But, But as we get older, we may not go to our brother waiting for him to tell us what he thinks of us, but I believe the need is still there. For example, let's say we're going to a wedding. I'm going to a wedding, and you get all dressed up and and uh, approach our spouse. At least I would, and say, or someone close to us, you know, maybe a friend or something. you Say, "All right, how do I look?" You want them to to give you your give you their opinion. And so, this is actually a really loaded question because someone's really being vulnerable, throwing themselves out there. But your response to this question, I guess. Should depend on your relationship that you have with a person. So if it's my wife, I would, I would uh, ask her, "Well, how do I look?" And I want Kristen to be kind but honest. And so she may say, "And hey, you know what, Paul? You look awesome." And then I know she's lying. But, <laughs> or she may say, she may say, "Don't you have a blue shirt to wear under that?" Or. If she really needs to be, she'll be brutally honest and say, you know, Paul, we're going to a wedding, not a football game. What are you doing? <laughs> and so there's, I, I appreciate, you know, kind but honest responses. That's why I'm asking, right? A, a lot of times, though, we just get up in the morning. You know, we're not going to a wedding or maybe going, you know, we have a routine. We're not going anywhere special, going to work, something we do all the time. So a lot of times we get up in the morning, do our routine, and ask ourselves How do I look by simply walking past the mirror, right? All of us, I would assume, at some point in the day, probably walk past or spend some time in front of the mirror, okay? And so, some of you are laughing because you spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. (laughs) Before you walk out of the door for your day, at some point, we look in the mirror. And so, if you think about it, it really is a great question, how do I look? It helps determine if we are ready for the day, if we need to adjust anything, if you didn't comb your hair, if you're wondering how was that still on my cheek from dinner last night, all those important questions are answered if you look in the mirror. If you need to change your outfit, start all over maybe the one that one look in the mirror can even change the course of your whole day. A lot of times it can determine your mood, right? Have you ever been really upset when you looked in the mirror it can um, it can also confirm maybe how you view yourself positively or negatively taking one look in that mirror and asking yourself how do i look can be a critical part of your day after all as you said before it is a very loaded question so i began to think about this and i thought what if there was a spiritual mirror right we spend time in front of our a physical mirror every day what if there's a spiritual mirror what if there was a mirror that you could walk up to and ask how do i look and get a loving but honest response. This spiritual mirror could help us determine if we're spiritually ready for the day. If we need to adjust anything spiritually, maybe we need to start all over and get redressed spiritually. A mirror on the wall tells us if we're physically ready for the day, but a spiritual mirror a spiritual mirror would tell us if we're spiritually ready for the day. A mirror helps us see if we're ready or or what needs adjusting, but a mirror is only helpful if we adjust those things that need to be. Otherwise, that mirror really is worthless. And the same is true of a spiritual mirror. It's only worthwhile if you act on whatever needs to be adjusted or changed. So, with that in mind, I have some good news. There is a spiritual mirror out there, but no, you can't hang it on your wall. The spiritual mirror God has given to us is the mirror of God's truth in his word. This mirror, this is the mirror we need to stand in front of each day. Even though this incredible mirror is exactly what we need, here's my fear and here's what I've noticed about myself and about other Christians is that we tend to spend too much time in front of different mirrors spiritually. Some of us spend time in front of culture's mirror and we see ourselves as culture would define us. You look in culture's mirror, and you end up saying to yourself, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm not successful, I don't have enough money, I have no future, I don't have the right skills, and the list goes on. That's culture's mirror. Maybe some of you have been spending too much time in front of the mirror of your past. You look at this mirror, and you say, I can't do it. I've already proven to be a failure. I can't be loved, or I deserved that, or I'll always be blank, and you fill in the blank. Maybe you say in front of the mirror of your past, you say, I can't change. I'm too old and stuck in my ways. I've done too many things wrong. And it seems like that list goes on and on too. You may be thinking, some of you may have a completely different mirror that you're thinking of right now that you have been spending too much time in front of. But the point is this, is that all of us, no matter who we are, our backgrounds, age, all of that aside, we all spend too much time in front of the wrong mirrors each day. And the thing about these other mirrors that aren't God's word is that they are telling all of us lies. They're telling each one of us lies. You have been looking in the wrong mirror. I have been looking in the wrong mirror. And, and sometimes you say, well, you know what? I know God's truth. Maybe you know God's truth. But why then do we walk right over to that old mirror that you've always looked in and believe the lies that it tells you again and again? Don't we? God wants you to stop looking in old mirrors and begin to spend all of your mirror time in front of His. When you stand in front of the mirror of God's Word, He reveals his truth to you, not lies. When you stand in front of God's mirror, he reveals your identity, your real identity, a child of the true king of kings, not how you look or how much money you have. When you stand in front of God's mirror, he shows you the hope you have in Christ, not the disappointment of trying to do things on your own. When you stand in front of God's mirror, he gives you access to true peace, not a life filled with worry and anxiety. When you stand in front of God's mirror, He shows you that you can live a life of purity, not a life filled with pain and guilt. God wants you to break the habit of looking in other mirrors to answer the question, how do I look? And begin each day in front of the right mirror, the mirror of God's Word, where He tells you the truth of how you look and who you are. Is is that making sense this morning? When you start a relationship with Jesus, you are completely free from the power of sin. Did you know that? You're completely free from the power of sin. Amen for that. However, here's what I found. That it takes daily decisions and choices to become free from the habit of sin or from looking in those other mirrors. And that's the tough part. That's the tough part. It may be hard, but God is calling us to a life of freedom that comes from only looking in the mirror of God's Word and His truth. And so this morning, that's what God wants to say to us about looking in the right mirror. But what does it look like to spiritually use the right mirror? Through all this is a, the analogy may be fine, but But what does that really look like? After all, it's not something that you can walk up to right on a wall. And the answer to this question, um, we're going to go into God's Word for. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John 1, verse 7. And this is the memory verse that is used in week 11 of experiencing God. 1 John 1, verse 7. This morning, we're going to discover, and here's the key to what we're talking about this morning, we're going to discover how your relationship with God greatly impacts your relationships with others, especially other believers. That analogy of looking in the right or wrong mirrors is really the beginning, as we'll see here in just a minute, of what God wants to do in each one of us, how God wants to use each one of us. So, So stay with me as we begin to put this bigger picture together. 1 John 1, verse 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, looking in the mirror of God's Word is how we walk in the light. Okay? As He is in the light. Walking in the light as He is in the light. Spending time in front of God's mirror every day is spending time reading the Bible, that quiet time, that that prayer, doing studies like experiencing God, um, filling your life with his truth, is standing in in front of the right spiritual mirror. And as we spend time in God's word or in the light, it acts as that mirror for our spiritual lives. We look to God to answer the question, how do I look? We see who God says we are. We notice how God is trying to change our hearts and minds through the power of his holy spirit and here's one of the cool things about looking in God's mirror is that we can recognize the change god has already made in our lives so we reflect reflect christ more closely isn't that the good part Amen. hopefully we don't always see hopefully we don't always see what always needs to be done but we can see you know what god's been working on me i look better today but as we're going to find out it's not all about us just plowing through, pounding through spiritual disciplines to get us better. That's really just the beginning. God's, God paints for us um, in 1 John and, and all throughout the scriptures, that this is just the first piece to a large picture. God doesn't intend us to just become really good Christians and try to better our lives and do everything we need to do because once again, like with anything, if you take that too far, it can get selfish. And before you know it, saying, well, that doesn't help me. That doesn't make me look better in front of my spiritual mirror, so I'm not going to do that, and that's that's not the heart of God. So hopefully as we look in the spiritual mirror, we notice that God is always at work. We see God pursuing us. We recognize God is speaking to us, and by obediently responding, we are reminded of the experiences that we've had looking in, God's mirror in the right mirror We come to experience hopefully by doing that this real and this personal god This is what it means to walk in the light When we peer into the mirror of god's word taking everything in we are looking honestly at our lives Honestly at god's word and seeing ourselves in the light of god and his word and this scenario of looking in the right spiritual mirror has taken place numerous times in my own life in a very personal way. And and one of the ways that this took place is this. I, Ever since I can remember, I have struggled with um, this idea of a low self-image. I bet you a lot of, maybe you have too, where the view of yourself isn't very high. And I don't know why. There's not, no reason for it necessarily. But ever since I was a kid... I've I've really wrestled with that. There's nothing in my life to blame for it, but it's been difficult. And I always had trouble being confident in front of other people and questioned everything. And, of course, then God decided that I should spend the next 12 years as a teacher and a pastor in front of other people and kids. I thought it was funny, too. And so... Since I didn't have that healthy view of myself, though, I always questioned every little decision that I made. I doubted myself so much that I began to make almost every decision based on what other people thought. And if you understand the teenage brain at age 17, that's very dangerous. Okay, Teenagers, that's very dangerous. But around 17 years old is when the Holy Spirit revealed this to me. I was looking in the wrong mirror. And when the truth was revealed to me, I began to make a conscious effort to allow God's Word to define who I was. As simple as this truth is, it can still be very difficult to live out. And if you understand what I'm talking about, you you know exactly what I mean. Just like I'd said before, I'm free from the power of an unhealthy self-image, but I still have to make daily decisions to walk in the light as He is in the light as it relates to a godly view of self. I was believing a lie over God's truth. I was was walking in darkness. And so now I don't have a high self-confidence. That's not what it's about. But I have a high confidence in God working through me and defining who I am in Christ. And you know what? There's a big difference. There's a huge difference. If we were to pound it out and try to do it on our own, as far as self-image goes, we'd become very prideful and consider that success but that's not what God considers success. We have to define and understand who we are in Christ. Most of us struggle with spending too much time in front of the wrong mirror, and this is a big deal because we miss out on what God is trying to do in us and through us. Also, walking in darkness is very spiritually dangerous. Choosing to walk in darkness minimizes or may even negate God's word and its ability to affect your life. And that's where you hear people say stuff like, I tried God and that didn't work as though God was some fairy and coming down with a wand and Alakazam, your wife is, your life is perfect. That's not God. We're free from the power of sin, but not free from the habit of sin. Our habit of walking in the light as he is in the light doesn't end with our personal spiritual maturity. And here's where we want to go with this. It goes much further than that. Our relationship with God is an incredible beginning to a much larger picture. So now that we have established and understand this importance of our personal relationship with God, let's continue to put the bigger picture together. And I had said this before, your relationship with God greatly impacts your relationships with others, especially other believers. So looking at 1 John 1.7 again, it says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So first, we walk in the light as he is in the light by daily choosing to look in the mirror of God's word, right? It's number one. Second, you cannot be in true fellowship with God and out of fellowship with other believers. Let me say that again. You cannot be in true fellowship with God and out of fellowship with other believers. Does that make sense? So, so what happens here? Looking back at First John one seven, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, what does it say? We have fellowship with one another. So here's here's how this process works as we begin to put this picture together. Number one, your personal love relationship with God. Right. This is this is what um, the quiet time. This is why. I said earlier, continue to go through experiencing God. That personal love relationship with God needs to be there. That is important in order to even begin this process. And a healthy personal love relationship with God leads to love and unity as, number two, a body of believers. Okay, So it's not just about self and me getting better. The process continues then but if you walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another number 2 a body of believers so this is the local body of Christ this is Portview Church pastor mark preached about how the body of Christ should work a few weeks ago and so if you missed out on that you can look at that on the uh, listen to it on the podcast online um but a church is a vital living dynamic fellowship of believers okay so a healthy body of Christ Built on individuals who have a personal love relationship with God leads to, leads to love and unity as number three, a kingdom of believers. This is the process that God is trying to show us in First John chapter 1 here. This is a corporate church. This is the bride of Christ. This is the bodies of believers coming together to accomplish his purposes and his ways. And this is really the key theme of experiencing God in unit number 11. So the only way that that second and third part of this process are achieved is when we, as individuals, understand the importance of our own individual love relationship with God. Then we can see how our relationship with God contributes to God's ability to work around the world. Is this making sense? This process, this is the process that God uses to accomplish his purposes and his ways in us personally, in the body of Christ in Portview and in the kingdom of God all around the world. Isn't that cool? This is the process you are allowing God to accomplish as you're, in your life as you work through experiencing God, as you spend time with Him as prayer, as you wrestle through God's Word. In other words, as you walk in the light, as He is in the light. See, because when you wrestle through God's Word, when you choose to continue forward even when you don't feel like it, God isn't just going to help you bring change and spiritual progress in your own life, but he is going to use you to impact the life of someone else. And sometimes that may be more important. Sometimes you may need to tell yourself that in order to keep going. Sometimes you're like, you know what, I think I'm good. I think I'm fine. I've been serving God for X amount of years. I think I have a good understanding and I can coast. Well, you can't because you're part of a bigger picture. It's not just you. So walking in the light is the only way that we have truly godly fellowship with one another. And Henry Blackaby uses this word called koinonia. Okay? And, this, and this word koinonia simply means Christian fellowship or communion with fellow Christians. In other words, Christian relationship with other Christians. That's all that it means. Or it may be better defined as this, is the full, fullest possible partnership and fellowship with God and others. Koinonia is possible only if a church is made up of individuals who are willing to submit to the lordship of Christ in the body of Christ. Step one, step two, step three, your global impact around the world. So here's, here's a few biblical examples of this process. The young church in Jerusalem, in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to trust in Christ. Isn't that awesome? And, and that's a good thing to celebrate, but if we continue on, um, we're not really sure how many of these remained in Jerusalem after the Jewish feast was over. But we know, however, the Jerusalem church had many members. And so early on, they met in the temple courts and in many smaller groups in individual homes, and they met daily for teaching, fellowship, meals, and prayers, Now listen for the koinonia here. Here's what happened is they shared their material resources with any believer who had need. These small congregations were interdependent. Because of koinonia, they were in, the Bible defines, one heart and one mind. Does that make sense? The kingdom of God at work. Another example, later on in Acts, Jerusalem shares, the church of Jerusalem shares with the church of Antioch. When the gospel began to bear fruit among the Greeks in Antioch, the Jerusalem church, sent Barnabas to investigate and help this young church. And when Barnabas got there, he saw God's activity there. And what he did is he enlisted Paul to come and help. And together they remained in Antioch teaching the new converts. They were sharing staff. When koinonia exists among churches, it's evident in their relationships. If you look all throughout Paul's letters, we can read about ways that the churches cooperated with other Christians for the kingdom's sake. Isn't that good? We are seeing this process played out in our communities as well, which is the fun part. Allow me to share a few stories that are specific to Portview. Here's one example. The first and third Tuesday of every month, Moments for Moms meets at Portview. If you're not... If you don't know what Moments for Moms is, um, it's a group for moms with preschool-age kids, and their tagline is "a timeout for preschool moms." So there are parents who give themselves timeouts, and that's okay. <clears throat> My wife Kristen co leads this group with a friend of hers from a Baptist church in Cedarburg. The Moments for Moms leadership team is made up of moms from five different churches in the area. The There are a number of ladies that attend from Portview in this group, but there are also ladies from six other churches in Ozaukee County. There are also moms who attend who don't go to church anywhere. And since Moments for Moms has opened to anyone over the past few years, at least that I know of or have heard of, there have been moms who have had no relationship with Jesus except Christ and get plugged into a local church. A lot of these moms who help or lead or attend Moments for Moms understand this process of koinonia. They understand that their relationship with God greatly impacts their relationships with others, especially the other believers in the group. So God is uniting them, these believers, to advance the kingdom of God in Ozaukee County. Isn't that cool? That's how it should work, shouldn't it? Here's another example. This process is is occurring with the church leadership in the area too. I don't know if you guys know this, but Pastor Mark consistently gets together for prayer With pastors, lead pastors from a number of other churches in the area, and they share stories, they pray for each other, and they encourage one another. And um, during, in fact, during this Thanksgiving service that I'd mentioned before this Tuesday, Pastor Mitch and I are going to be sharing a testimony about um, about the youth pastors and youth leaders and youth groups coming together from churches all over the area and working together to encourage our teens and advance God's kingdom as it relates to the youth of our, of, our, of our area. You know, in September, we had about six different youth groups come together for a see at the poll rally here at Portview. And this was nothing new, as you'll hear on Tuesday. But after the event, each youth pastor youth leader was asking us, well, what, when's our next event like this, or what are we going to do next? Or this was awesome <clears> that churches can actually work together. Pastor Mitch and I, along with uh, Pastor Seth and Pastor David from Open Door and Freedons, were asking the question to God, saying, God, what are you doing? You seem to be at work in these youth groups in the area. What do you want us to do? And this, <clears throat> this Thursday, actually, I was with a group of youth pastors um, planning our next combined event. So Koinonia is alive and well with our churches, and our church staff, which is awesome. Let me stop and explain this. Sometimes a common mistake happens here. A common mistake may happen when people uh, try to jump from a personal relationship with God to Koinonia, skipping the local church. Okay. And this has been tried by many people and has proven that it doesn't work. Remember, Koinonia is possible only if a church is made up of individuals who are willing to submit to the lordship of christ and the body of christ it's your relationship with god and your involvement in the body of christ is the only way for god to use us to advance his kingdom around the world it can't happen or it doesn't happen how god wants it to if we just try to plow forward on an individual basis does that make sense so i could tell you story after story about these examples in our local church are happening in our area, which is really cool. But I want to conclude with this story. A few years ago, God led Portview to team up with a family in Mexico. You guys may remember them, the Camacho family. And Angela, I don't know what her maiden last name was, but Angela Camacho, grew up in this area and married an AG pastor in Mexico. And so they're ministering in one of the most poorest regions. In Mexico. So last year for Christmas as a church, God led us to send them a nice financial gift for Christmas. And a number of you were a part of that. And if you remember, they were able to buy a car along with the insurance and everything they needed, thanks to your generosity. And so this family is not, they're not associated with AG missions at all. Um, they are simply AG pastors ministering in Mexico. And, and so because of this, they don't have access to the resources other AG missionaries have access to. They're only supported by their local congregation who is in poverty. And so God has continued to lead us in this relationship with the Camacho family. In fact, right now, Portview Church supports the Camacho family on a monthly basis because of your faith promise giving. And so also in January, we are having a team from Portview. I believe there's about 14 and then a couple others joining us from another church that are going to go down to build a house for a family without a home in their congregation. They're obviously not going to build the kind of homes that we would see being built in America today. It'll be a very modest home, but it'll be a home for them nonetheless. And so this is a huge undertaking of physical labor and financial commitment, and and you'll be hearing more about this project from Pastor Mark in the next few weeks But God is orchestrating an incredible connection between this church, Portview Church, and Templo Elim in San Vicente, Baja, California, Mexico. Isn't that cool? This is koinonia. God is using Portview Church made up of individuals who are willing to submit to the Lordship of Christ and the body of Christ to make a physical and spiritual impact in a small church a thousand miles away. That's how God works. That's how God wants to work. But the story doesn't end there. Of course, I was thinking, well, what about our kids? What could our kids do? Our, our kids can't go on the missions trips. They're too young. So God led our BGMC leaders, which is simply a boys and girls missionary challenge. This is the avenue how we teach our kids to give to missions in elementary and preschool. And so what could we do for our kids? So God led our BGMC leaders to say, what does God want us to do? Could God want our Portview kids to help this family, even if they couldn't go and help build a house? So what we did is we contacted the family and found out that the entire family sleeps on one mattress in their makeshift housing. So there's about looking at the picture, depending on if extended family is there, there's five, six, or seven people in the family. And obviously um, they don't all fit on one mattress. Um, so once we found that out, we thought, what if our Portview kids were able to purchase bunk beds for these kids that have never had their own beds to sleep in? We found out how much the bunk beds would cost and decided not only to try to purchase the bunk beds with the mattresses and the sheets for the beds too. Let's, let's get them all set up, right? And so began our bunk beds from Buddy campaign we thought this would be a great way to help our kids. They have a a Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge goal for each year, and we thought what a great way for them to finish up the year to meet that goal, right? So what I did is I I contacted the national office of BGMC and tried to figure out a way of how we could have this money count towards our kids' BGMC goal. Um, But after many phone calls and emails and everything, we were told that it wouldn't count at all towards BGMC. And... So what should we do? I mean, you want, you want to help the kids meet their goal. So we believe, though, that this is exactly what God wanted us to do. So we said, you know what, it doesn't matter how the money gets there. God wants us to do it. And so we will be counting whatever money they give towards our goal for BGMC as a church. We'll say good job to our kids for being faithful and doing what God wants us to do and even though the national office will not be counting it. And I believe that in January of next year, these kids that have never had their own beds to sleep in will be sleeping on beds, mattresses, and sheets, provided not by a charity organization or a government grant or even technically BGMC, but by the kids of Portview Church. What a great way to teach our kids what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God around the world. This is God's plan for changing the world. People led by God's Holy Spirit to join Him in what He's doing. This can't happen, however, if we have individuals, as individuals don't have a love relationship with God that is real and personal. This is how your relationship with God greatly impacts your relationships with others, especially other believers. You help accomplish this when you experience God in a very real and personal way and when we put our complete trust in Him. So my question for us this morning, the process that we went through, individual love relationship with God, involvement in the local church body, in the body of Christ, and then fill in the blank. Who knows what God wants to do? And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of not just advancing forward myself spiritually. I want to be a part of what God's doing at this body here at Portview. And then I anticipate the excitement that's going to come as God uses us as a church, as God uses you guys as individuals, uses me as an individual to further his kingdom around the world. And you say, wow, whoever knew that some elementary-age kids from Port Washington, Wisconsin, would would hook up with a random church in San Vicente, Baja, California, Mexico, and help kids buy bunk beds for Christmas. What are the chances, right? But that's what happens when we follow through with this process as individuals. God can then be glorified, and his kingdom can be advanced all around the world. And so my question for you this morning is, what does God God want you to do? See, this morning, God may be speaking to you about a couple things. God may be speaking to some of you about your personal relationship with him. Do you even have a love relationship with God that is real and personal? Or is it a relationship controlled by duty and guilt? Maybe God wants you to begin to stand in front of the right mirror each day so that he can use you to impact the body of Christ at Portview, and to impact the kingdom of God around the world. Or maybe God is speaking to you about getting involved in your local church body here at Portview. God wants you to experience him in a very real and personal way, and he wants to use you to experience the joy of functioning as part of a healthy body of Christ. Say, you know what, I'm I'm not involved. Or maybe God is speaking something completely different to you. Maybe God is asking you to do something way beyond yourself, Maybe you've been thinking this idea that's been in your head like, this is crazy, I can't do that. This is a big commitment. But you know that this idea that you just can't shake might be God wanting you to help advance the kingdom of God locally or around the world. Someone we were to walk up to us and say, um, here's a church in Mexico that needs some help. We'd be like, well, we can't help them. You know, what, what are we going to do for them? But God, over a series of events, orchestrated this connection with this church in Mexico. But here's the thing. No matter what God is saying to you this morning, our responsibility isn't to put a huge plan together. The question really is that we all have to answer is, will you join him? Will you step out? Will you do the hard thing? Will you take the risk to experience God in a very real and personal way? And I know God wants to use you and I to help advance the kingdom of God around the world. So I don't know what God is saying to you guys this morning, but I know he wants you to respond. I know he wants all of us to respond. And so I'm going to pray to conclude our time together this morning. Um, There's a lot of boxes up here, but you can pray around the boxes. You can simply pray in your seat. But I think God would want us to spend some time, spend a few moments in prayer this morning. And so I'll I'll pray to conclude our time, but the altars are open. You can pray at your seat to stay and pray. Take a few minutes and make sure that you respond to God this morning. Maybe your response is simply one of thanksgiving. Maybe your response is looking in the mirror and say, God, look how far you've brought me. Thank you. Now, Lord, help me be a part of the bigger picture. Maybe your response is something that God has really been churning on your heart for a long time, or even just for a little while and saying, God, is this from you? Do you really want me to do this? Do you really want me to step out? It's people with a healthy love relationship with God that make up a healthy local body of Christ, the local church. And healthy local churches come together to advance the kingdom of God around the world. This is God's plan. and God's plan to change the world starts with you and me. Would you please stand with me as we pray this morning? Lord, we've taken a look this morning at a a big picture. We've taken a step back, we've zoomed out, and we've been able to discover how our relationship with you impacts the lives of people around the world. Lord, sometimes it's very easy for us to get caught up in just our relationship with you and stop there. But Lord, you've opened our eyes this morning to the fact that we're part of a bigger picture. And so Lord, this morning, I pray that whatever you're speaking in the hearts and lives of people this morning, that you would just be very clear. Lord, that we would look in the right mirror each and every day, that we wouldn't be, believe the lies of our past or of our culture or of any other mirror. Lord, I pray that this body of Christ would be so filled with individuals who have that personal love relationship with you that our body just naturally functions healthy together. That Portview will be just a healthy church because of the healthy individuals that make it up. And Lord, your word says, and we've seen it throughout our past and throughout history, we see it all throughout your word, that if we do this, Lord, we are ripe. We are ready to be used by you to impact the kingdom of God around the world. And so, God, I think we're ready. We're ready as individuals, and we're ready as a church. So, God, make it clear to us what we need to do. Make it clear to us our role and how you want us to respond this morning. Thank you, God, for your word for the power of Your Word and how You use individuals like us who make mistakes and who don't do things right and who can mess up so easily to literally change the world for You. Somehow we're Your plan, Lord. Somehow we're Your plan. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Thank You for Your Word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.